Hey guys, welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. And we're here with another quick shift for you guys. Yes. And this is, uh, as you know, the quick shifts are our midweek updates. And we have two versions, basically. And we had a listener suggest that the quick shift news segments should be like quick up shift, shift, up shift. And then and the histor- these history, history ones. ones are reverse. Yeah. Right? Yep. So this will be a history or reverse segment that I have for you. Exactly. And before we get into it, I do want to say that we have an exclusive sponsor for this week's Quick Shift, and that is South Central Imports. We, Chris and I were actually just over there last week. Great bunch of guys there. They've been in operation since 1976 and are your exclusive Volkswagen Audi dealership. Um, as you know, they're also an authorized Revo software dealer. Wait, wait, wait a second. They're a dealership? <laughs> Did I say dealership? <laughs> yeah, you have your you must have your other notes right there. I, I misspoke. They're well, a, he a Volkswagen a, Audi shop. I would and consider hey, him a dealership. You sometimes. can buy a car from him. He does sell he has a few cars, cars for sale occasionally. He does sell a few cars. Um, no, but I mean, really, what what is about them that's so great is their integrity and their honesty when it comes to you as a customer and when you're dealing with them. It's going to be a great experience. Absolutely. So take a look for them on Facebook at SCI Performance, or also you can call them at six one two seven two two. Eight eight nine seven. All right. So I have a story to tell you, Chris. I'm ready. And you don't know anything about this. I just I read a story to my kids last night, and they really loved it. So hopefully, I love your story as much as they love mine. <laughs> That's a high bar. Okay. Well, our well, story, their brains are very small. So well, like daughter, like father. Oh boy, here we go. All right. So our story begins way back in 1772. That's right, back when the American colonists were becoming increasingly annoyed with their pesky red-coated oppressors, the British. Yep. Um, one of the British's own dissidents was slaving away in his lab. So English chemist Joseph Priestley was the first man to synthesize... Is, he Priest- is it Priestley? Is it Jason Priestley's like great, 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 I don't- great grandfather? Wait, who's Jason Priestley? Isn't he the guy from Beverly Hills 90210? Maybe. It is Priestley now that I'm looking yeah, at it. Yeah, Priestley, yeah. So he was the first I man... I bet he would be really proud of one of his sons becoming on Beverly Hills 90210 someday. <laughs> it's probably everything he always wanted. <laughs> <laughs> this reference is too obscure for me. So I, no, I don't, okay. Okay. Some people get that. But, uh, yeah, Joseph Priestley, not Jason, was the first man to synthesize a never-before-seen compound. And to get technical, he heated up some iron filings, soaked in acid, and released a gas. So I'm surprised that they were able to synthesize anything in the 1700s. 1772, yes. I wonder if the word synthesize actually exists. I wrote that, so I don't know if that existed. Yeah, because now um, I think of synthesizer. Right. Yeah. I don't think he made a synthesizer in no, 1772. Probably not. But anyways, his gas that he synthesized, dinitrogen monoxide, or as it's more commonly known, nitrous oxide. Nice. Yes. So as a chemist of the time, young Joseph tested this new gas by the only means he had to him, by inhaling it. <laughs> I was gonna th- That's I what you, you do as a chemist in the 1770s. Inhale it. You inhale it. <laughs> I don't know what this gas is. I don't know. I just I don't know melted what do. some metal in acid. And uh, the effects were immediate <laughs> for Joseph. Yeah. Euphoria, giddiness, and a general state of aloofness and happiness were the effects. I bet his wife of, was impressed. Yeah, who knows if he was then, married. Everybody's life pretty much sucked. Right. So all of a sudden, he <laughs> found nitrous oxide. And soon, laughing gas, as it was known, was being produced and sold solely for use as a recreational drug. I wonder how they packaged it. I think it was like it a be, balloon. Like, 
Okay. There there are some weird drawings from the period okay. where it almost looks like a waxed, like, I don't know if it was actually a canvas bag. Okay. Or it was, like, knowing the times, it was probably like a bladder from an animal that they stuffed full of gas or something. Right, right. But, yeah, so they had this gas now, nitrous oxide, that I'm was just, just a recreational like, drug. Like a cobbler from back in the day. Just being like, oh, man, I had such a shitty day reselling all these shoes. I'm going to go home and just... Do some nitrous oxide. No, well, yeah, I, here's what it is. The British upper class were especially enthralled with it and frequently held gassing parties. Nice. Yeah, yeah so it was good. like an upper class thing to do. Like instead of, you probably have your tea party and then you'd have your gassing party that evening. I wonder if these people were on par with people that vape. No, 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 it's no, not the same class. Not at all. Okay. I think that's a much different class. <laughs> that's a different piece. Okay. What right. is funny about this though, so gassing, gassing parties the expression having a gas that's where it comes from okay so when you're having a good time and like your grandma I, I will be like i don't know that i've oh, ever you're said that having a gas no it's because you know people on nitrous we were should, i don't even know i don't even know if that term's worth bringing back <laughs> i think we should <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm really having a gas having a gas yeah. so we're gonna fast forward now from 1772 to 1844 in Hartford, Connecticut. So now we're talking about 70 years of people getting high on this stuff before That's anything all happened. Yep. Okay. And Didn't anybody try and light it on fire at some point? Could you imagine me like, oh, I need to do my thing, and then you've got like a pipe next to your face, and mm-hmm. this dude blew his face up? You don't know how this works then, do you? It's completely inert. Oh, it is? Yes. Okay. It is. I'll Continue. get to that. So in 1844, over in the States now, Hartford, Connecticut, a local dentist named Horace Wells noticed a man who was high on nitrous oxide, and he stumbled into a bench and like completely fucked up his leg. And the man <laughs> didn't even notice. Okay. He didn't even notice, hence the... the Horace then became the first dentist and main proponent of using nitrous oxide as an anesthetic. Ah, because this dude fucked his leg up. He fucked his leg up, and he's like, hey, I can use this so people don't have to be in excruciating pain when I'm pulling their teeth out. Yeah, which happened quite often back then. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, everybody's getting their teeth pulled out. And that's where it stayed in a doctor and dentist's office until the Nazis showed up. Here we go. All right, this is where the story gets good. We've so got, we're about to have Nazi engineers enter the story. For it's all good. its horror and uh, terribleness, there's no doubt that war breeds innovation. It does. And the Germans were just as good as any at innovating. Except not as good as us. Well, apparently Cause we, not, because we won. Because we won. <laughs> so yeah, we came up with this thing called the nuclear bomb. Yeah. Which, uh, ironically, well, if they were German scientist. Well, if they wouldn't have killed all the Jews, they probably would have had their own nuclear bomb. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they just they, they wiped out a lot of good brains there. Good point. But so in 1940, Nazi Germany in the midst of World War II, the Nazi Luftwaffe or their you know, air force, their fighter planes were quickly becoming inferior once the Allies started to develop fighters that would breach 400 plus miles per hour at altitudes between 25,000 and 30,000 feet. The, the Nazi Luftwaffe just couldn't keep up with that. So enter notorious Nazi engineer Otto Lutz. Ah, that name sounds familiar. Yes, it does. Let's developed, among many other engineering innovations, the Göring Mischung 1. Did you practice that? I did. <laughs> I or, can just see you looking in the mirror <laughs> practicing that. Göring Mischung 1, or as we're going to call it, GM1. Okay. This was a system of injecting nitrous oxide into an aircraft engine to increase the high altitude Do we know how he got to that point? Like, how did he get to the, uh, the idea of putting that into a combustion engine. Yeah, so there was a lot of experimentation with, and I'll get into this a little bit later when we get into 
now where it's applied from Nazi aircraft in the cars. Sure. But basically, they tried putting direct oxygen into engines because what they're trying to fight is the they high altitude pushing there wasn't in. oxygen right and when you did that it would be super instable and it would just blow up right away and you get terrible detonation and everything yeah, else go lean and hot exactly and else. so i bet they, they took every gas that they could think of and probably, probably just started shoving stuff in there yeah and so this system the gm1 it could be retrofitted to fighters destroyers bombers reconnaissance aircraft alike and so, you know, we'll, we'll step back here and take a little sidebar for some technical explanation sure. of how nitrous actually works. So with any internal combustion engine, the more fuel and air you can cram in, the more power it makes. Absolutely. That's why superchargers, turbochargers, or even high compression naturally aspirated engines all strive to do this. I always try to explain to people as, much as like, everybody, can, people have asked like, well, how does that, you know, combustion work and compression right. ratios, everything like that? I'm always like, imagine trying to put more and more clothes into a suitcase. Okay. Right. It's it gets harder and harder and harder to compress because it's all that right. that energy pushing back at you by the clothes that you're trying to shove in the suitcase that don't fit. So that's you know that's how I try to explain it. So right. So so here was your question. Somewhere along the line, someone decided to skip all this mechanical nonsense and just inject pure oxygen into the engine along with the fuel, and it was disastrous because the oxygen on its own is highly unstable. It would ignite before the compression stroke, which Doesn't is called detonation. Yeah. Yep. And it would blow up the engine. And like you said, you have hot spots and everything else. Nitrous oxide or N2O on the other hand is completely inert as a gas. You can use it to extinguish a flame. It's not flammable. Uh, despite what Fast and Furious would like us to think. <laughs> so it's actually a compound made up of two nitrogen molecules bonded to a single oxygen. And under high pressure and heat, such as in an internal combustion engine in the combustion chamber, the molecules actually split apart, leaving the oxygen module molecules or atoms to react with the fuel. Okay. And so that's how it actually creates power. So by it doesn't providing become more fire oxygen. until it breaks down. Exactly. And it's more safer, obviously, than just injecting raw oxygen. Um, it's basically just a, a chemical delivery method for oxygen itself. Okay. So, in addition to the increased oxygen, though, the evaporative nature of nitrous oxide, because it's injected as, well, it is a liquid and then becomes a gas. Yeah, so it cools things down exactly. a little bit. Exactly. It dramatically decreases the intake air temperature, which is beneficial to re reducing detonation as well. Yeah. Yep. So, back to our Nazis. GM1 was typically sprayed in liquid form directly into the supercharger intake from two jets. Sweet. Yeah, that at the same awesome. time, the fuel flow was increased, so it has to be proportional. The jets could be operated individually I wonder how they, or in combination. I wonder how they did more fuel back then. Like, what right, exactly were they doing? because it's all carbureted. Yeah. I They're, think it was basically just a nozzle where they just turn on fuel. It must have just been like an additional fuel. There, one side did fuel, one side did right. the nitrous. It had to have been both or something. Well, yeah, and they had three steps of power generally on this GM1 system. They could shoot 120, 240, or 360 <laughs> horsepower worth of nitrous yeah, into the supercharger, go. which I think is just awesome. Could you imagine being like a P-51 Mustang back in the day, just like about to shoot this guy down yeah, and he's and just gone? Just, <laughs> well, see ya. because of this, as you yeah are alluding to, many other countries picked up on this idea and started injecting their own aircraft with nitrous. I've never heard of them doing this before in these airplanes. Well, that's because it was limited, the use of this, because right when they started to get this uh, worked out as a science, the advent of the jet engine basically uh -huh. made it... Totally, totally obsolete. obsolete. Yep. Yeah, and that was kind of the tail end of the war anyways. 
but it's like a really interesting little part of history that I had to really dig up on. Sure, to get this. sure. So from that, though, we're going to fast forward to the 50s. Uh, Spokane, Washington, there was a drag racer named Dick Flynn. And he hadn't even heard the term nitrous oxide, but he was combing through his local library in 1958. And he was trying to pursue the next uh, wonder fuel, as they called it, because this is a time when nitromethane was just beginning to be used in racing. Yep. So they said, okay, we can use nitromethane. There's got to be some other crazy cool stuff we can do to make more power. And he had a conversation with uh, a fellow longtime racing buddy, Gary Harms. And Gary said, well, I kind of, we got a test here. Let's, let's try this out. So Harms bolted an oxygen regulator onto a bottle filled with nitrous oxide. And it doesn't say where he got it. He probably got it from his dentist at the time. Yeah, or any medical facility right. or something. And he laid it out. Or he probably got it off his welding tank. Who knows? Uh, nitrous isn't used for welding, I don't no, think. No, no, but the regulator and right. stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah, I'm just saying he took like, yeah, welding regulator, yep. threw it on his dentist N2O <laughs> tank, and he put it apparently in the tool tray of his supercharged 1940 Ford. Nice. Which sounds like an awesome This time. guy's got balls. Could you just be like, oh, just well, wait for I, the don't rest really, of this. I don't really know how Oh, yeah, much we have no idea what we're doing here. <laughs> he then laid a rubber hose under the carpet to an air gun nozzle that he set on his thigh. From there, another hose led to a nipple at the base of his Stromberg carburetor, which was fitted extra rich for this experiment. He pressed the air gun upon accelerating and held it until shifting. And it worked. In fact, on September 7th, 1958, Harms won his class at Deer Park Raceway, which was the only time he ever trophied at the track. <laughs> <laughs> but this was the first ever application of Imagine nitrous like oxide kicking in the racing. shit out of this guy week after week after yep. week. And then he shows up with his shitty 40 Ford yeah. and just all of a sudden just he's just decimates. killing everyone. And do, because I, of his little air nozzle, <laughs> right? You I know, know people are probably like, lap. dude, what do you got under the hood? Open the hood, man. Open it. Yeah, and it opens, it's just, it's just, just standard, the same. Like, yeah. The, there's one extra little hose running that to it that no one would, notices. No one, yeah, no one noticed it. Right. So that's basically where it stayed in racing for the next few decades. It was like a closely guarded secret at the track, and no one wanted to really share the secret. So from 1958, when it was first used in racing, until 1970, it was like no one knew about it. It was this little it was secret. Black magic stuff. Yep. Until, quote, in 1970, it came out of the closet, as they said. Um, it was at this point in time when a couple of successful automotive technicians and racers, Mike Thermos and Dave Venzalian, saw there was a business potential for nitrous. Everyone's using it. Everyone wants it. Do we know these guys? Were they? We do know these guys. These guys formed Nitrous Oxide Systems Incorporated, uh -huh. better known by its abbreviation, NOS. Nice. So it is interesting to note here that NOS is a brand name for nitrous oxide. Right. It's kind of like Kleenexes to tissue. So right, right, right. Because it's always a pet peeve of mine. We're like, really, oh, we got NOS, man. It's NOX, not NOS. Right. Nitrous right. oxide, N-O-X, is an abbreviation for nitrous oxide or just N2O or nitrous. Right. Don't say NOS. <laughs> That's a PSA buried in this. So... um Today, nitrous oxide is sold by tons of different companies out there, and it's the quickest, easiest way to add big power to any car. And it's also the quickest way to blow up your engine, most likikely, right. if done incorrectly. I imagine that uh, I wonder what your compression ratio, if there's a way to measure the amount of nitrous you're using and how much you're increasing your 
it's not really your compression it's ratio. It's not your compression radio, but it's, it's the uh, force that you're creating. Yeah, it's the, the exerted on the rods exactly. and the crankshaft and the cylinder walls and everything else. Yeah, and you know, I have a couple other interesting notes. That's basically the funny story of the fun gas, as I call it. Yeah. Um, but you know, there are a lot of interesting, um, I guess we'll call them technical advancements that have come about since the 70s when this was first released. You know, there's a lot of systems that are smart now where they'll ramp up the nitrous as it comes yep. in. So or it's not gear. such a hard yeah. hit. Yep. Or by gear as well. And I it's was all... watching this show called uh, Fastest Car okay. on Netflix. And basically what it is, is it's you have a supercar and then you've got a bunch of other cars, which are called sleepers. Right. And it's kind of like, well, yeah, and so a sleeper is the... like a car you wouldn't assume is fast. But in the show, they've got like you know, 305 wide tires, okay. like shoved so it's, under. It's kind of It's kind of like, yeah. It's like if you saw that drive around, be like, yeah, that, yeah, that thing's, that thing can move. I, but almost every single one of these cars was running, uh, nitrous. Was running nitrous. Yeah, it was running NOS. NOS, yeah, there you go. <laughs> it was running nitrous, and it's almost all of them entirely. Yeah. And it was just, I didn't know it was such a big thing. Maybe be in the European car world. Well, yeah, you don't and see out it. And out of V8s and stuff like that, you just don't see it very much. Well, and especially much. we're not, it's the drag racing world is where you see it so much. Right. You know, and I remember a, a t- I bought a, when I first met Chad from SCI, mm-hmm. probably 15 years ago, he had a entire nitrous kit. It was NOS, NOS brand. Right. And he had all the nozzles, lines, and everything for you to run it on your Rabbit GTI. Oh, and, I, and I bought it from him. It was a 100-shot kit. Did you set it up? I never set it up. That I had it fun. sitting around. I still got pictures of it, but I never <laughs> ended up using it because I was just, you know, even at the time, I just, I didn't really know. Right. I was just kind of scared. You know, I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't wanna really want to blow anything up because I was poor. Was that, was that a wet system or a dry system? Because I should stipulate the difference there. It was, That honestly, refers to the know. addition of more fuel to kind of balance out the increase in oxygen from the nitrous. No, I think you used, a, I think you used the cold start injector from the CIS. Oh, interesting. So it had a provision fuel. for it, but it was more archaic than... Yeah, it was. It was today. Scary. You can buy, you know, a wet system which oh, actually yeah, injects more like, fuel no, no. along with the nitrous. This or is there's quote complex. the dry system. I don't know if they even sell quote dry systems anymore, where it just shoots nitrous without any additional fuel. Because that's how you run lean and blow it up. So I one other funny thing. I while I was researching researching this, I was curious, like, what's the most someone has successfully sprayed to, oh, use, the largest to use a term, shot. the largest shot exactly yeah and so i didn't realize this but in addition to gas engines nitrous is also used on diesel race engines okay so in diesel detonation isn't as big of a concern because right. that's literally how it works it <laughs> is just detonating, detonating all the time, the whole time. Yep. so uh, there's diesel race engines this is somewhat anecdotal as reading on forums but it's running up upwards of 100 pounds of boost on these diesels and we're talking like the scandia trucks that are like racing around Europe. I don't or know what? if it's that or like Cummins that people have built up or what. Okay. But these a lot of these diesels are running upward of hundred pounds of boost and insane amount of fuel they just dump in there and they're able to run a thousand shots of nitrous. Jesus. A thousand horsepower. Okay, so those shot. have to be those aren't Cummins because those don't have the displacement to True. handle that type. Those have got to be like the the, the big the semis big that semis are racing things or. Or whatever, it's got to be that. Yeah, I should have looked into that more, but I just thought it was nuts. The but ma- there the were man trucks, the big like, yeah. There were a what couple a great guys. Name for a truck, by the way, man, man, it is trucks. a good. It's like Mac, but yeah, better, but better because it's manly <laughs> and man trucks. That's a great name. I the wonder biggest, if it was on purpose or not. Probably no. I bet it's an acronym, M A N. Yeah, in a language we don't know, so exactly. we, we might as well not even try and guess. <laughs> 
I did find a, a couple like big block Chevy guys that were running like 800 shots on a gas big block Jesus. Chevy V8 though. So it is nuts. It's like seven or eight liter truck type of thing or whatever. Right. Yeah. That's nuts. So yeah, that's maybe an interesting history about nitrous oxide that you didn't know. I did not know almost all of that. So that was really interesting. Thanks for doing the research on that. Yeah, no worries. So thanks to our uh, our British uh, phys- uh, physicist. And thanks and, to the Nazis. And the Nazis <laughs> and dentists and, and everything else. There it goes. Well, so. guys, we, we appreciate you, uh, you uh, subscribing. Glad you do that. We'll see you next week. Yes, we will. Okay, bye, Take guys. Take care. Oh, 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 oh,